Hello movie lovers everywhere, this is Blind Movie Date, and we're close to Valentine's Day, and we watched a movie where a kid fucked a peach. Wow, okay, um, well, welcome to this week's episode. Uh, we didn't go over the first part together, and I'm glad we didn't, because that was funny. <laughs> Anyways, welcome to Blind Movie Date. Um, it's the middle of February, and we haven't put out an episode in a bit, but we are, I guess, semi-back. We're both kind of busy right now, trying to do things, um, but we're back with an episode, a regular episode, which we haven't had in a bit, <laughs> so excited to do it. Um, I'm glad you guys can't see us right now because I have curlers in my hair. And she was just making fun of me because I was wearing my hat to the side. You look like you, like, eternally worked at Hot Topic. Like, you worked there for, my like, My hat was on the floor, so I picked it up years. quick and put it on my head. I put no okay. effort into well, how I put it on my head. we both look glorious right now. But like Kieran said, we, we are back. Um, we never really left. It was just a little bit of a break. But, um... We did collectively decide, because it takes a lot to put into these episodes, that... Hear that, ladies and gentlemen? That's our episodic yawn. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That we are going to release Blind Movie Date bi-weekly, instead of trying to do it weekly, because it's a lot to put in and it's a lot to work on for a weekly program. Yes. But back back to the whole yawning thing. (laughs) uh, We each have things that we do on podcasts that are like sort of staples like you always yawn i always say ah like ah before things and brendan always opens up a a can of soda wait i always yawn you yawn a lot (laughs) i'm trying to hold one in right now which is weird because like you've done radio before did you used to yawn on air i'm fucking tired today (laughs) because we're always filming like after a day of work or like when i'm just like exhausted at the end of the day so, yeah, I'm going to be tired. <laughs> enough. Fuck, why did you have to say that I yawning? But no, I keep yawning. Okay. All right, uh, enough, bu- enough busting your chops. Like I said, um, in the beginning of the episode, uh, Valentine's Day is approaching. Uh, so we decided to see a romantic movie. We did. We did. I'm going to get emotional about it. Not. I can get emotional, Jim James okay, Vincent. Yeah, go ahead. Talk so about we it. saw Call Me By Your Name. And when I originally saw the trailer, I'm like, well, I'm not going to see that. We my, both were. My attention span is this band of a Vine video. Um, it but wasn't really advertised I heard... Well. God fucking damn it. Why do you have to say that? Because now it keeps happening. Like, my <laughs> brain keeps saying, you're going to yawn. You're going to yawn. Anyways, um, so I saw the trailer and I just wasn't that into it and then I heard some good things from people and just that it was very emotional and really really good and then I saw Timothy Chalamet is that how you say his last name on who was he on Jimmy Fallon Jimmy Fallon um and he seemed really like personable and he seemed like a really funny guy so I'm like okay I'm gonna see it I'm gonna see it (laughs) and whether I like it or not or if I'm bored and it like hugged at like the heartstrings I didn't even know that I had it was like an um, it was like emotions that I didn't know that anybody else felt um I felt it with my first love and this was like this boy's first love um and it was all sorts of you know messed up and not normal and 
slow slow it no, down? No, I was going to say before you get into the, the meat of it, <laughs> poor terminology. Um, <laughs> uh, for those who, th- who are like, like I don't, or curious, like it's not what one would call like a gay movie per, per se. Like LGBT. Yeah, like it's it has a gay relationship in it, but it also has straight relationships in it. And it's not really focused around that. It's, it's more on... Why would that matter? I'm just saying. I mean, like, why... It doesn't, but some people... Hopefully our think... listeners aren't like, oh, you know what, I don't want to see LGBT <laughs> movie. No, but... Well, if you're a listener you know, like you... that, then you can stop listening because I don't really... want to be your friend. <laughs> but No, I don't um, know what you're saying. But it more... It's, it's a it movie... It ain't a gay movie. It's it's a movie about friendship more more than it is, like, a it's movie about... It's an LGBT movie, yeah. though. It is. I know. I said that. But it's it's I think it's more of a movie about friendship than it is like a movie about love. Like love plays an aspect to it. I think it's about the the downside of falling in love for the first time. People want to romanticize it and make it this glorious thing. And really it's just getting so nervous that you think that you could explode. It's having your heart broken into a million different pieces and you don't know how to put it together again. It's feeling heightened emotions that you have never felt in your life and you, you you're feeling it over this terrible fucking human well, in my case um and you just can't stop yourself from feeling these emotions that you've never felt before and seeing that portrayed on a screen where i've never seen it portrayed it was really really interesting because it pulled me back to my first love that i I haven't had like a good thought about in a bit in a while um and so it was just like Timothy Chalamet's character Elio Elio Elio, like Elio's pizza (laughs) um he just would get really nervous around Army Hammer's character um and he would like there was this one time where he was like waiting up till he got home and then he like faked asleep and like just like had a little smile and then went right to sleep when he got like back to like their house and I don't know why but that like little moment like I've felt that <laughs> this is your fault this is your fault um but I thought that it was done really well and I really really enjoyed it um so help me like explain the plot without putting any spoilers like essentially it's about Army Hammer who is studying abroad with a professor in his, northern Italy with his family, and he, yeah. he lives with them for, I forgot how much time. Six weeks. Was it six weeks? So, yeah. like, a month and a half. And um, they go on, like, little adventures, because he, like... He wants to explore Italy. He's never been there. He's from yeah. New England. <laughs> He's, like, a New England guy, like, New England, like, short shorts guy. And uh, then Elio also has, like, kind of a girlfriend, too? Yeah. Um. So, like... It, it explores the aspect that that life and culture in in Italy and outside the United States is very different. You you mm-hmm. can, I mean, you could really party whenever you want here, but like it's it's just a different scene, and you could smoke and drink when you're like sixteen, and you could it's life is a lot yeah, more it's free. It's different, and I feel like maybe you grow up a little bit faster. Like you can grow up in the United States quick, but. That you just, like, at 15, you already are expected to be a little bit more mature and 
Um, I think they said that I Elliot think... was born in the United States too, but um, because his dad is a professor and studies um, like art and statues and stuff, and would that be but, would that be considered architecture? I'm not really sure. But what Jimmy was talking about, which kind of spoiler spoiler. That's the one Elio, part everyone knows about the movie. Elio. <laughs> he fucks a peach. <laughs> there, there's there's a, no way. There's, of, a, there's, there's no way involved. of saying it. <laughs> there's a peach involved. Um. I, I I thought that was like a like a. Not a not a not a weird scene, but just a very like. It was definitely a creative choice. It was like so specific that I'm like somebody that wrote this has done this, like you know, like. Well, his his family grows has orchards and grows mm-hmm. peaches and different sorts of fruits. And so apricots, he has yeah, and apricots. But yeah. I, I definitely would recommend seeing it. It's very very emotional. I cried. Um, the the last shot, the shot that they just hold with the credits, yeah, was really emotional for that, me. There. If you were questioning seeing this movie at all, see it for the very, like, last two scenes of this movie. Because um, there's a scene with scene. with Elio and his father, which is, like, the second to last scene, which is, okay, 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 okay. like, the strongest scene in the movie yeah. and is worth okay, okay. the movie in general. Anyways, but um, from, from a technical aspect, uh, I thought it was directed really well. Mm-hmm. Um Although there were some creative choices that I didn't necessarily agree with, but you know, it made the movie have its own specific voice. I think it's getting everything that it deserves. Uh, I think Army Hammer got snubbed majorly because I thought it was really good. Um, yeah, no, there was just a lot of things, and I thought the writing was. They did this thing with the writing that brought me right back to film school, where. Um, Is that a good thing? No. Where, <laughs> where, so. um, the kid, or not the kid in general, but but someone would say something, a line, but they wouldn't directly or eighty percent directly say what they were talking about. Like one scene, Elliot was like, "You know what I'm talking about." I like and, that, and and you know, Army Hammer not... knows what he's talking about, but the audience doesn't. I knew. doesn't sort of really know. I didn't know. Well, I, I mean, I, I get what you mean in some in some situations, but I also like that because it gives the audience the credit that it can deserve. A lot of people don't give the audience credit, and they're just like, oh, yeah, that last time when we went to summer camp in 2012, and then your mom died of cancer. Yeah, no, so I, you have all I, the answers. I agree on, on that aspect, but I, I, like ju- I just thought they were it. a little too subtle about it. But, okay. But that's just me. Yeah. Um, I do uh, think that it... Deserves everything that's getting, including Are my ankles getting fat. Why would you say that on recording? I don't know. I just looked in the mirror, and I don't know if my ankles are getting fat. <laughs> All right. I'm pretty proud of these ankles, so I really hope not. Maybe it's just how my shoe or my sock was on, like the. Anyways. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so we're gonna do something that we haven't done in a while, and we are going to. <gasps> Spin that wheel. Spin it. That's a crowd. Sounds like a 
Like a, like a really tiny hamster ghost. Oh. Oh, whoops. We read a story about somebody flushing their hamster down the toilet because they couldn't take it on a plane. They fucking flushed it down the toilet instead of, like, calling up an Uber, going home, and taking the, like, hamster home. Like any sane person would do. All right, just just because, like, we haven't spun the wheel and uh, this is our first time doing it since we came back from our long hiatus, let's just keep any category on the floor. Like, let's not... Okay. Like, even if we got a repeat category, let's just do it, because then we could pick another movie from that category. So you may go first. Really? Yeah. Oh, shit. I'll hold your mic for you. Okay. I got two mics, motherfucker. Stop. Oh, yes. I'm so excited. What did you get? I got Razzie, which means anything that has been nominated or has won a Razzie, which are the awards for the worst movies of the year. It's the opposite Oscars. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. We're going to get a fun one. What are you going to get, Jimmy? Zombie. Ooh, zombie movie. Uh, please don't, just don't do Shaun of the Dead. Why? Because that's the only one I don't want. Okay. Uh, two interesting categories. And ladies and gentlemen. You can pick a Razzie one that you don't want. Ladies and gentlemen, our first category in the horror genre on this show. Wow. Zombie. No surprise here. I don't like zombie movies. So try to switch me. Try okay. To- Will do. Um. So pick one that's not just like I've and I've also already seen Shadow of the Dead and I don't like it. So okay. Have you seen? Sorry, any, Brendan. Have, have you seen any other zombie movies that I should know about? Or not Shadow of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead. Both don't do either. Did you see the original Dawn of the Dead or the remake? The original. Oh, okay. So you didn't see the the remakes by everything. But don't show me any of them. Okay. Anyways, we're going to start off with my pick for um, what we spun last time, which is fantasy, um, which what I'm going to show, which I've been trying to show since we started this, is, drumroll. We already said it. Oh, true. (laughs) Aquamarine. So, if you guys grew up in the era that we grew up, you guys remember the year of 2006. Um, shut up. Um... It was a great year for films. I actually can't name one film that came out in 2006 <laughs> except for Aquamarine. Um, so um, it's a really great movie it's about the best friendship. Of times. It was the worst of times. With, <laughs> it's a really great movie about friendship with strong female characters. And it. I love it so much because it actually helped me. I went through uh, two really big deaths in my life at age 10 and 11. And this movie helped me th- getting through them. Um, and when you're 11, you know, you don't, <laughs> there's not things, there's not a lot of coping mechanisms that you know about. Uh, watching movies and TV was one of them for me and eating, but that's on the, that's on the DL. <laughs> but, uh, and this movie, I watched it over and over and over again. And I pr- I've seen it more than any other movie ever. And, you know, other people may not like it. And that's fine, but it, it helped me in a time that I needed it. So, 
Without further ado, here is Aquamarine, and we'll be right back. You almost had a flawless transition. <sighs> further ado, much much ado about nothing. You are much ado about nothing. <laughs> Do you realize we've got five days to talk your mom out of moving halfway around the world? I haven't kissed Raymond yet, so I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> For two best friends who needed a miracle. Something magical. That the ocean washed up in there last night. Is about to happen. Mermaid. How did you get in here? I use these. So, do you get to keep them? As long as they stay dry and the sun is out? Yes. Who are you? My name's Aquamarine. That's kind of pretty. For a crayon. Oh, a barnacle. I have to find love. With him. Raymond? Raymond. No! Raymond's way too popular. Hello, hottie. Hi. Hi. Do you love me? Uh, no. Uh. We begin where every girl starts with their first crush. We call him. Hello? That was fantastic. Let's do it again. <laughs> OK, the next step is the ride vibe. There's something very fishy about that girl. Now, with the help of her new friends. Hello! Why go through life unnoticed? She's turning everything. Oh, God! How's it going? That was too close. Upside down. Just be yourself. Minus the tail. From 20th Century Fox. You're not like most girls around here. He likes her. You were my best friend. You're my best friend, too. Aquamarine. When you have a mermaid, you get a wish. I thought that was genies. You believe in genies? Okay, so we just got finished watching Aquamarine. Um, if you guys don't know what it is, it's a movie about two teenage girls, which are played by Emma Roberts and JoJo. Yes. <laughs> um, where they discover... Just bear with me. Okay, it's good. Discover that mermaids really do exist after a violent storm watches, washes one ashore. Uh, the mermaid, uh, played by Sarah Paxton, whose name is Aquamarine. No relation to Sarah um, Paxton. Is determined to prove to her father that love... Real love exists and enlists the girl's help in winning the heart of a handsome lifeguard. Now, I know that how it sounds, but I just love this movie so much because I feel like a lot of movies that came out at this time felt so like, oh, terrible acting, terrible everything. And I just felt like this felt like it was real. Like they felt like they were real friends. And I've seen this movie like a hundred times. Jimmy, I don't even know what you thought. You laughed a more. You there, laughed like yeah. I mean, it's wa it's watchable. Um, <laughs> I it kind of seems like a really long form Disney Channel original movie. However, Disney Channel already has a mermaid movie called The Thirteenth Year. <laughs> so That's a merman movie. So. Yeah, it sort of felt like a long-form Disney Channel original movie up until probably the ending of the movie. Yeah, then, that's why I like it. Then it seemed more movie-ish, cinematic. Uh, it's watchable. It's not terrible. Um, 
you know, I I like movies that have a character that's sort of naive to the world in which the world that we live in. Um, Wonder Woman was like that. Um, I'm forgetting a bunch. But Stuart the- Little. <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, know why that's only right. coming to my head. But but you could do a lot with a character who's not, you know, from where mortals and where humans are, and they're still they're trying to learn how the world is and and learn how to adapt with society and um discover what cotton candy is and yeah <laughs> discover what uh like in wonder woman's case discover what a dress is and stuff um so i i've always liked when movies play around with with that sort of theme and um like i said because you could explore a lot with it and that's primarily what this movie is um it did i i have some similarities to frozen i also thought um but this came out first i know Keep that in mind. I know. So, so I'm also using those as compliments because it <clears throat> the similarities to Frozen are what I like about Frozen, what make Frozen unique. And um I mean, would I watch it again? Probably not. But I didn't think that you'd like this. I, I mean, like I said, my... it's totally watchable. Um so the bad things about it. Um I know. <laughs> so you don't know how much it bugs me and bugs me and bugs me where every female in in the movie is just completely boy crazy and and even at such a no. young, even at such a young age w- at which the two lead girls are completely boy crazy and when when the entire conflict of the movie has to do with a bitchy girl trying to ruin the relationship between two people because she wants the boy. I know. I know. These are things that I'm aware of, and I've seen other movies where this drives them. Not just movies, but, but television shows, and that's why yeah, I said it, it's, they made, it feels like a Disney Channel original series. Yeah. Because I, they it's made not real. This, like, I think they made the characters more na- more naive to show, oh, this is how they were. And then at the end of the movie, that's when they discover that, you know... You don't have to be boy crazy. Friendship has a lot of true love in it. Um, and, you know, you're going to go through life issues and boys don't matter at the end of the day. Um, it, it bothers me watching it back and seeing that. But I think that the end is where that really draws me because it shows that, you know, the boy didn't fall in love with her and you don't need the boy. You have your friends. Um but I, I get what you mean. Like along along with that lines, it was like, oh, the boy that they're trying to go after is this this attractive lifeguard who always has his shirt off and flexes his muscles and always has to save everyone and yeah. And it's like, all right, we saw Baywatch. There's a non-attractive chubby lifeguard in that movie. Like that's the, no, the types of I things know. we should be doing. I know, but like not all lifeguards look like that. To me, this is like a a tween movie this is not something i'm gonna go suggest to adults to watch oh this no. is a, yeah this obviously. is a tween movie and that's that's what it is and i just but you could at the same time make a tween movie that is 
realistic to society and realistic to how, how yes, young girls... Yeah, but this was also like shot in 2005. You just got to keep that in, like, the back of your mind. If this was shot now, I don't think that it would be the same thing. Watch Disney Channel. It's exactly the same and it hasn't changed. This isn't Disney I Channel, know, though. They're a perfect example. Okay, well... Watch everything in, like, Hannah Montana and stuff. They were constantly boy crazy. You're talking to someone who's seen every episode of Hannah Montana. That also came out in 2006. <laughs> I I am very aware. I know that. But I like this movie and I have some facts. They, you know, you know they what? just you could have had... People don't have to see it. You don't have to see it. They just could right. have had more of a driving force to further the plot and the conflict. Instead of it just being... I know, but yeah. it ended up being friendship. So... so more interesting facts. Friendship is magic, according to the li- My Little Ponies. <laughs> Sarah Paxton's Mermaid Tale. Do you know how how much you think it weighed? Oh, sixty pounds. Hundred. Hundred. I was, was going to say hundred. And but... it was approximately eight feet in length. Seemed like uh, Sarah it was Paxton half too. would have a 4 a.m. call time every morning as she required two and a half hours to get her hair and facial makeup, which is crazy because it didn't look she like didn't. she had any yeah. facial makeup applied and then another two and a half hours to put her, have her tail fitted. Um, to play the part of Aquamarine required for Sarah Paxton to do a month of intensive swimming lessons beforehand. Um, and the tail was barely in the see. movie. It, it sort of seemed like the tail had only, puppetry commands on the feet. Only five American actors appeared in the film. Uh, Emma Roberts, Jojo, Jojo Sarah, Sarah Paxton, Paxton, Ariel Cabell, and Jake McDormand. Um, this is Jojo's film debut, obviously. Uh, I mean, she's only been in Easter like egg on the... Spe- oh, we got to do this. On the special features menu... On the fourth page, go all the way down to the list to kicking it on the set featurette. Click right and highlight the outline of a starfish. Selecting this will take you to a short video of Emma Roberts, Jojo, and Sarah Paxton interviewing guys in Australia about dating girls. <gasps> I have watched the featurette. <laughs> I have watched this movie twice with the commentary on when I was younger, and I've never known that. Google wasn't really a thing. I'm sure you could look it up on YouTube. No, we're going to watch it on here. I already took it out. We're going to put it back in. Jessica Simpson was originally offered the role of Aquamarine, but was forced to turn it down due to scheduling conflicts. Lame. I would have hated this movie if it was her. Um, At least I got an actress. Um, Sarah Paxton was originally being cast as the villain of the film, but instead insisted to audition for Aquamarine, citing her childhood dream of playing a mermaid. Um... So those are those are the facts. Other facts are like the they put little starfish on their ears, and it's actually voiced by each person. So the starfish earrings that JoJo wears is voiced by her, um, and then there's a the commentary is really fun to listen to. Nobody's gonna go fucking listen to the Aquamarine commentary, but you know what? I love this movie, and I can't quite pinpoint why I still love it, but it really helped me during my grieving process when I was a. Uh, semi-small kid and i'll never forget that so i i just my heart is with this movie yeah no of course Um, there's there's always gonna be those movies that everyone has that sort of and i'll show my kids 
Okay. <laughs> All right. But anyways, I what would you rate this out of five stars? I mean, if out of five stars, so if like three is the line of watchable, it would be there. Okay. It's watchable, like I said. Okay. It, we both don't really like our other each other's favorite movies. I honestly thought it was going to be a lot worse than it ended up being. So That's what I like to hear. That's all I need to hear. That's a um, positive. Um, like, I, I don't really feel like I need to diss the movie a lot because I don't really think it needs it, ex- except for the awful, awful overexposure that's in the entire yeah, movie. Yeah, I mean... When, People watching this aren't going to be watching all right, it for... Alright, so I've tried to film something on a beach before. And if you try to film something on a beach before, the sunlight reflects off of the sand and it gets so bright that it makes the background of what you're trying to film white, which is called overexposure. And it's so hard to do stuff like that that they made special camera lenses uh, for ultraviolet light and for if you were shooting on a beach. Did you just say ultraviolet? Yeah, it's ultraviolet. Ultraviolet. That's purple. We're moving on. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> it's not like a violent thing. <laughs> it's ultraviolet light. It's really violent. So I can't. <laughs> whatever. You know, you get the point. But um, I I, real, I realized afterwards that they had specific lenses like that after the fact. But it, it's this like... This bitch said ultraviolet. <laughs> but, Love you know, th- things like that are really hard to color correct and really hard to, you know, get, get in proper exposure. And it proved that even a movie, which I don't even know what the budget of this movie was, but... I mean, a theatrically released movie still couldn't even do. And, I mean, for, for someone who pays attention to that stuff, it could be a bit distracting. Um, there were a few gross crossfades in this movie. But I know. But you know I that know. we both have issues with crossfades. Um, however, one of my favorite movies of all time, Star Wars, is notorious for bad transitions. So, but that's what makes it special. Um, yeah, I mean... I feel like JoJo plays a tomboy in every movie that she's in. You know, the five that she's in. Um, um, have you ever seen the Lifetime one? Because she didn't play tomboy in that. She played a tomboy in RV. You literally only know RV and Aquamarine, so don't fucking play with me. <laughs> I loved JoJo. Honestly, I wanted to turn 15 so bad so I could be just like JoJo. And then I turned 15 and I was nothing like JoJo. <laughs> and I was extremely disappointed. <sighs> Anyways, that is my life story. If you've seen Aquamarine, you know why I like it. If you haven't, you're probably not going to go watch it, but there will always be a place in my heart for it. I mean, Um, I definitely think it's good for younger kids to watch. Yeah. So moving on to your movie. Oh, yeah. Let's hop right in. (laughs) So excited. I mean, it's good. No, I'm not like... You know, like, I was like, whoa, about Monty Python and shit. It's good. Uh, Kong Skull Island has a visual effects Oscar nomination and stuff, which, you know, for generally the movies that I like and and movies of of no nerd, I fucking can't speak, movies of nerd culture, 
don't normally get any Oscar nominations past the visual effects nod and maybe score or so. Hey, you know what? I'm in a worse position because Aquamarine got nominated for nothing. (laughs) The the only nerd movies to sort of break that mold were uh, Lord of the Rings Return of the King, which won Best Picture. Um, The Dark Knight that Heath Ledger won Best Actor for. This time I'm yawning on purpose. (laughs) Just kidding. But yeah, no, Kong Skull Island's good. Um, They took a, a really different approach to the typical King Kong movies. Uh, oh. It's not the three-hour version of, of King Kong. <laughs> it's better than that. Um, things that I think you'll appreciate in this is the colors. It's very colorful. Very, very colorful. Um, the music, the soundtrack's really, really good. Uh, and it's not so much like big monster smash movie it, it's more on like about the island and why kong is the way he is and what it, it's more it's more about the sympathetic aspects of of kong and the island and everything which is which is what i like um i mean don't get me wrong i love uh, big monsters bash and smash movies much as the next guy but uh, that's why I thought this movie was unique. So we're going to get right on into it with Kong Skull Island. Let's go. But first, we're going to turn on the Aquamarine featurette and see that hidden feature right now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, boy. She got aggressive. These are photos of an island in the South Pacific. The place where myth and science meet. Use explosives to shake the earth, helping us to map the surface of the island. You're dropping bombs. Mm. Scientific instruments. I see trouble on the way. Is that a monkey? that thing was out here i'm sorry for your man colonel but if you want to make their sacrifice worthwhile it is home with proof monsters exist your friend there can put that down what the hell is this place that's calm he's king around here Kong's pretty good, King. Keeps to himself mostly. Well, you don't go into someone's house and start dropping bombs unless you're picking a fight. Kong's God on the island, but the devils live below us. And what are they called? I call them skull crawlers. Why? I never said that name out loud before. It sounds stupid now that I say. Just you call them whatever you want.
is a good group of boys. We're all gonna die together out here. <laughs> you shouldn't have come here. Jimmy's beating on his chest right now like a gorilla. You're gonna hurt their poor ears. Oh, an hour and a half into this. <laughs> Anyways, if you couldn't tell, we just finished Kong Skull Island. Uh, this came out in March of 2017, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and okay. I, if you listen to my, well, not necessarily my, but our favorite movies of the year, like this, this made my list, and um, sort of for the nostalgia effect of like good big monster movies, because that's sort of what I grew up on. I, I primarily grew up on three things: it was Predator, Star Wars. And Godzilla and King Kong movies. I've literally seen every King Kong and Godzilla movie. We could the old not ones. be more opposite. And it's not just because like, oh, I'm a girl and you're a guy like that that doesn't matter. We just grew up like our parents were like interested in showing us different things. My like, dad exposed me to a lot of weird shit. <laughs> I mean, I watched Tu Wong Fu when I was like eight, which is a rated R drag queen movie at eight. So like I saw some messed up things too, but I grew up on Mary Kate and Ashley and, you know, cartoons and uh randomly like Bette Midler movies. So So do you, do you very know, different. So do you know um I don't know if you've had any sort of experiences like what I'm about to say, but you know, we didn't really have the internet as much as we did back when we were kids and we had to find out what was coming in theaters or was going to be made into a movie based on the newspaper. Mm-hmm. And I have a few like distinct memories of when I was a kid of, of, of things like that. And it was uh, when they were going to do Spider-Man and when they were going to do Fantastic Four and especially when they were going to do uh, Godzilla with Matthew Roderick in it, which was But that was 2000. like after. That was in the 2000s, though. It was in though. 2000. And, yeah, but we still didn't oh, really have many. We did. It was... It was, my dad always had like the new things he had a computer first a video camera first a phone cell we phone we had first. stuff the internet just wasn't so, how it is now i know but and, like i would find out all my information on moviephone.com where when the movies were showing what movies were coming out that's how i found out about everything i don't think you i wonder if someone bought movie phone because i don't hear about it or acquired them <laughs> i think it's just not sure but but my point being is like those were the stuff i grew up on and those were the things that kept me excited and when I was a little kid, um, my dad and I watched all the Godzillas. I literally have them all on recorded on VHS from from watching it on Sci-Fi. And yeah, that's stuff. not one you're gonna get me to watch. Oh, I don't, yeah, no, not unless it's <laughs> a foreign movie. Um, the and then the ki- what was um, especially special to me was the original Japanese King Kong versus Godzilla which is eventually what they're going to lead into with this, as you saw in mm-hmm. the post credit sequence. But um, the point being is, is I had... Why I liked this movie so much was because it took that giant type of monster, type of animal, kaiju being, and put a whole new spin on it. Like, like it wasn't... It wasn't crash pow destroy the city type of thing you know yeah like it was like a lot of animals misunderstood uh, yeah big yeah. animals like you know lions or uh you know as much as i'm terrified of them sharks i'm sure those are misunderstood we're going into their territory just like they went into kong's territory 
and they act out of fear, which humans do too. So um, I, I did like this movie a little more than I thought. I do have issues with it. Um, I think it's not so much about the movie, um, but it is kind of about the uh, some of the editing and then the director. Yeah. In a sense. I mean, um, it's not a perfect movie. But what, no, but I liked what, it more than I thought, and I yeah. liked Kong's character a lot. Kong's character is, what, is, is the one thing that made me like really really like this movie was because you know in the original king kongs and stuff you you could like sympathize for kong because he's being held captive in new york against his will and and all this and that's that's all horrible same (laughs) but (laughs) we never really got a sense of like where he came from and uh what his origins were and like in this you find out that uh there were three originally three apes on the island where there was his parents and him and his parents were killed by the skull crawlers, which are like lizard skull things on the island. They were weird. And so he had he literally watched his parents die and was like, I'm never Oof. I'm never gonna let what this happened happen to any other of the inhabitants on this island and, and he sort of became king and so yeah. to say. And king. but which he, makes the name King Kong. <laughs> which they never say in the movie. No, they don't. They just they, call him they Kong. They said Kong. He's king. They said he's here. treated like a king, treated like a god, but they never put it together. Yeah, um, and the you one... know, besides okay. besides that, what stood out to me, and then I'll get into how you liked it and everything was the colors, the movie, uh, <laughs> the movie, the colors, um, the music, uh, some of the shots. I th- like. I kept saying like, oh, this is such this is such a good shot. I like how they're framing this. Sam Jackson had some of the best shots, I think, in this movie. Him and Kong did. Uh, you know, um, I wasn't sure how you're going to feel about this movie at first. Because it's literally Apocalypse Now with King Kong. Yeah. And I knew you were going to catch a I sense on that early on. because Got a little bored, I think. Um, I really, I mean... I know a lot of people love Apocalypse Now, but we had to see it, I think, four times in school. And being forced to watch something, not like this. This is like, you know, you, you watch mine, I watch yours. But like in school, we I saw it four fucking times. Which is the same reason and I don't like Citizen Kane. For some reason, like it made me really hot. Like it made me start to sweat. And I, I've never liked that movie because there's just, there's nothing to grab onto. You aren't emotionally invested in any of the characters or at least i wasn't um this does give me some of those vibes and i was bored a little bit like it but i liked it a lot more because of kong's character um and i really liked tom hiddleston's character and i liked brie larson's character and john c Riley. um see i thought I... hiddleston was hiddleston and brie larson were probably i think the least developed characters in that's movie. my problem that's my problem that i'm about to talk about yeah. they are the least developed of them all and i wish it focused on them more because i want to know about her she's an anti-war photographer about to be on the cover of time magazine and she gets to go on this expedition um and he they don't even get into why he's there they did i mean like for real though we go into like the one guy has a son and he dies and his name is chapman like we don't get to learn much about i would have loved to learn more about brie larson and Tom Hiddleston. I would have loved to learn more about their characters. Yeah, so too. I wish it focused more on that rather than uh, John Goodman. I mean, that was interesting, yes, but I wish that it had kind of focused on either Brie Larson or Tom Hiddleston. 
uh, and started off with them and started it as their story instead because they were way more interesting and I wanted to know more about them. And maybe they're alluding to a sequel. Maybe it will in that, but they should have done it in the first movie. That was my issue with that. They were the least developed and I wanted to see more of them. Yeah, this um, this movie falls trope to... Um, what I think a lot of movies now, especially big studio movies, have now, um, and it's editing. Uh, originally, this movie was supposed to be like three plus hours, so they they cut out a lot of this movie. Good. So so they probably cut out a lot of their characters, which is the same reason uh, Justice League sort of fell flat. But this didn't yeah. fall flat like that. I I don't know, like. I love Samuel L. Jackson, but his character just stayed the same the whole time. We he gotta plays, get him. We gotta get him. We gotta get him. Like, and then he just got spoiler. He just got squashed and killed. Um, speaking of squashed and killed, I, I loved the editing at the beginning. I think the editing was great. The slow motion and then fast forward. You know, I love. I edit like what, that in, in the in flashback little, sequence. In the beginning? No, like when the helicopters are flying around him and it goes like oh, fast yeah, yeah. and then slows down um the I director john vote roberts jordan. did that jordan why yeah. do i keep calling him john maybe he's just a john to me because john goodman he, yes that's it <laughs> <laughs> he directed another movie called kings of summer um it premiered at a um film festival well, i don't know if it premiered but it was at a film festival in 2013 called dead center film festival in oklahoma city um it's called kings of summer and i always like that because of the editing um it's it's a very common thing it, now. Too. The the thing it but the editing was great, but it kind of did what everything else in this movie did and it died. <laughs> About four, like 30 minutes in. Then they just kind of stopped doing that editing style. And I thought that was really weird. I'm like, why is it just peppered in at the beginning? Did they get like this rush like, "Oh, we got to do all these scenes." And then they're like, "Oh shit, like our our post-production time is shutting down. Like, you know, we got to hurry. We can't do this anymore." Like, it just seemed like the uh, like the rest of the movie wasn't like that and well, i didn't i was just like oh man i really liked that bring it back well you see um, we we sort of differ on that one because um one of the aspects i like about this movie is the first maybe half hour 45 minutes it's toned like a war movie and it's toned like apocalypse now and then when the whole tone of the movie changes and becomes something else the editing style changes and and that's what i what appealed to me okay. a bit was it went from it. it went from the first quarter to from being a war movie to being like a monster narrative and mm-hmm. um but I no I, I do like those i did like those cuts and those shots a lot too that that one now, shot stands out to me a lot when they're flying around the helicopters and the guy's got the mirrored aviators on you just see the explosions in the, the sunglasses yeah, the I kind of want to open this up to a bigger conversation of what is going on in Hollywood as of, you know, late last year. Sure, but let's, um, can we get on with more Kong facts and stuff and then go into yeah, that? Yeah, sure, <laughs> sure. Do you have them yeah, locked and loaded? I do. I didn't think that. The one, the one thing I have left to say, I did like it, I liked it better than I thought, um, is I wish that the after credit scene was just the last scene of the movie. Like... What if oh, people didn't stay yeah. for the rest of the credits, you know? And I felt like that was... Because I, I was left being like, okay, so everything's fine. They're not going to do anything about this these huge monsters on this unknown island. Bullshit. This is American people. They're going to want to go after it and so kill it. So you wish the Godzilla scene was the last scene of the movie? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, but I liked yeah. I liked that it ended with John C. Riley going home. I did like that a lot. But th- that could have been the ending credit scene or something. I don't know. So... 
Uh, before we get into the facts, I, I remember, so when when this came out, we were still living at our old place, and uh, I went to Alamo Draft House, and so I wish if you've ever been to Alamo Draft House, it's, it's an experience every time, regardless of the movie you're seeing. Also, sorry if you guys hear something in the background, it's raining really hard outside. <laughs> so um, I remember coming home. And you were you were like, oh, how was it? And I was like, it was fucking fantastic. And I was like, you're, you're never gonna believe this, but this is probably John C. Riley's performance of his career. Oh yeah. And, and you're like, really? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Would you believe that now? What do you think about that statement now? Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So here's some. No pro- offense to John C. Riley, but just offense to the movies. He He's done. done some dramas and stuff, but th- this probably had the most. Uh, you know, sort of depth, and also it was a serious role, but let him explore that comedic side of what he's he's mm-hmm. used to. Okay, what are the facts? Yeah, so we got some Kong facts. Uh, Samuel Jackson stated on a talk show that throughout filming, he and his co-stars had no concrete idea just how big Kong was supposed to be, since whenever they asked, they just kept getting conflicting answers. Uh, at 104 feet, hmm. th- this incarnation of Kong is the biggest King Kong ever put on screen. Um, sets were built in, in Kualoa Ranch, Hawaii, near the same filming location as Jurassic World. They were also sort of filming at the uh, same time. Yeah, this was like the most fucked up Jumanji ever. <laughs> Sam Jackson repeats his line, hold on your butts, which is the same line that he says in Jurassic Park, which is also about an island inhabited by giant creatures. Um... The poster, the IMAX poster release is an homage to Apocalypse Now. Uh, Michael Keaton and J.K. Simmons were originally attached to this film, but both had Playing to... Dr- who? I'm going to get to that. Both had to drop out due to the scheduling, scheduling conflicts. Michael Keaton was involved at Spider-Man Homecoming at this time, and J.K. Simmons, I think, was in original talks for Justice League, sort of, at that time. Uh, J- Mike, uh, J.K. Simmons was going to be Samuel L. Jackson's role. Um, oh, and uh, Michael Keaton was going to be John Goodman's role. Oh, okay. So I'm glad that they kept Samuel Jackson because it added more diversity to the cast. As much yeah. as I like seeing J.K. Simmons be a douchebag, <laughs> I like seeing Samuel Jackson be that too. <sighs> so according to Jordan Vote <laughs> Roberts, that that's, means that there's a lot of words coming up. Uh, according to Jordan Roberts, uh, the first draft of the screenplay had action taking place in 1917. It was an entirely different film. Although he liked the script, he didn't think it was something he wanted to make. Uh, when he asked what kind of monster um, monster movie he had in mind, he suggested that it would take place in the Vietnam War era, sort of like Apocalypse Now, but with monsters. Um, since there has never been a monster movie set in this time, he also... Th- thought interesting parallels between the political tor- tor- uh, turmoil and radical riots from the 1970s and 2010s. Contrary to expectation, the studio loved the idea and the script and reworked it from there. The magnificent scenes of mountains, rivers, and grass fields were mostly shot in Vietnam, uh, but Jordan Roberts and the cast said that they were the most beautiful places that they've ever been to. Uh, I mean... Weren't those shots in Vietnam, like, amazing? Yeah. And, and you're like, was any of the CGs? And I was like, according to the bonus features, no. Mm, I'm sure some of it <laughs> Some was. of it was, but probably a little Face bit. Face-tuned. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, so there, uh, the two-armed pit lizard from the 1933 King Kong 
was used as a reference for the skull crawlers. Uh, they were also inspired by several other cinematic creatures. Jordan Volt Roberts stated that the creature beyond uh, being a reference to a creature from the 1933 version is also this crazy fusion of all influences throughout his life. The first being um, the first angel from Neon Genesis Evangeline from 19, uh, 1995 and the No Face from Spirited Away. Also Cubone from Pokemon. <laughs> so those are all the influences to oh. the skull crawlers. Uh, the names of Marlo and Conrad. Um, Marlo is, uh, I think, Brie Larson? I'm not sure. And Conrad's Tom Hiddleston. Uh, are references to Joseph Conrad and the lead character Mar uh, Marlo from Conrad's novella Heart of Darkness, the novella as well as Vietnam War film uh, in that that movie inspired Apocalypse Now. So that's why they, they were named what they were. Heart of Darkness was also read by a character in the earlier Peter Jackson 2005 King Kong. Uh, Miyazaki's Princess Mononoke helped influence the design and approach to some of the monsters. Uh, Jordan Roberts also said that uh, Princess Mononoke was actually a big re reference in the way that the spirit creatures sort of have their own domains and fit uh, within that. Um, he also, you know, tried, he wanted Kong. So if you saw the Peter Jackson version, which was the Jack Black one, um, he was big and he ran on all fours and stuff. And he, he was more, more like an ape. Okay. Um, so Jordan Roberts didn't want that because uh, he didn't want Kong to seem like he was an ape. Like on the outside, he's an ape, but to the people on the island and to everyone else he's a god he's a king and in the apparently in the 1933 version which i don't think I, i've seen I, that's the one that jeff bridges in it um kong is bipedal like he is in this movie like he stands upright and so he uh wanted more that approach as as opposed to the silverback gorilla because it was intended to say that like he just wasn't a big monkey that he was like a lonely god on an island um oh marlo is uh john c Riley. he mentions the really big ants that sound like birds in that one scene it's a reference to the movie them in 1954 which is a science fiction film about giant ants oh lovely <laughs> um there's okay. just there's just a lot of like love of based of like monster movies and sci-fis and stuff mm -hmm. that yeah um, so the one thing I wanted to say also before we get on to this is uh, pretty pretty important because when we were originally going to do this episode, it just so happened to happen coincidentally around the time of this, the Twitter exchange between CinemaSins and Jordan Roberts where he blew up on Twitter with them. So uh, Jordan Roberts co-wrote and appeared in an honest trailer of, of this movie. Uh, highlighting some legitimate flaws in the film, such as uh, such as a massive, in his own words, structural problem, lack of character arcs for most of the human cast, yep. and for none, the fact that... It, none of the characters arced at all. And the fact that there were too many humans in the film to begin with. Uh, however, he still, st he still stood by the film and attacked the videos made by CinemaSins shortly before Honest Trailers were released. He also spent some time on Twitter attacking CinemaSins for their videos on the film calling them trolls and countering some specific sins rather notably 
had participated in honest trailers videos before the film. All this happened really shortly afterwards where all of his own criticisms were noted to be too harsh. So pretty much, uh, for those who don't know CinemaSins, um, you, can, you can go and um, YouTube them, just type in like anything wrong, everything wrong with, and then I'll put The Dark Knight as an example. Like so, that's their MO. That's yeah, what that's, they do. that's the joke. So they, they pretty much go through the entire movie and they make jokes about and it. And Jordan Roberts just didn't he like didn't, that? He took it too seriously. Like, he didn't take it as a joke. And I mean, when you're in anywhere, especially Hollywood, you're going to have people that like you and dislike you. And sorry, bud, but you're going to have to get used to it. Whether you're in Hollywood or not, some yes. people are not going to like what you put out. And if that's their whole MO, then that's them. And, Don't... you know, I, I <sighs> sort of I sort of see where he was coming from because, you know, he, he went from Kings of Summer, which was an indie project, to this where he spent years of his life on this eventually became like his baby and he felt like they were sort of attacking his baby and as a filmmaker you know you don't want to really yeah. see your film sort of get ripped apart in front of you yeah, but, but at the same time it's a joke and you should is it a, a public twitter fight is that it was a public twitter fight yeah is is that really going to solve it or solve anything no but i remember you? i remember when that all that stuff came out and i was like holy shit and i'm i'm sure you can go and google uh, I'm sure people screenshotted the Twitter exchanges and stuff, but it, oh, it, yeah. it gets They're it gets everywhere. pretty it gets pretty gnarly, man. But I could I you know I would not want to work on something for a really long time and then have it get ripped in front of me. So I, know, I get but... it on that regard. Did he act maturely? No. No. Um, I do because we have a movie podcast, and am I can I go into this? Now? Yeah, yeah. Because we have a movie podcast and what has been um, coming out in Hollywood over the past, I mean, it's been the past four months exclusively, um, but for years and years and decades and decades before this. But now it seems like it's finally being taken to the the serious extent that it should be. Um, And that is all of the sexual harassment allegations and sexual assault allegations against producers, actors, directors, um, and everyone in between in Hollywood over the past couple of months. Um, the director of this movie, Jordan Vote roberts um, being one of them. Um, I did look a little bit into the story a little bit more before we talked about this. Yeah, I didn't know about this story, so I'm glad um, you're telling me. And uh, a woman who worked on a Comedy Central like comedy special with Jordan Vote roberts and the actor T.J. Miller from Workaholics, um, who has this been, is a connecting story between yes, the two of them? Yes, and T.J. Miller separately has uh, been accused of other things. From Silicon Valley. Network oh, Alex. yeah. Silicon Valley. I didn't know this they, was a connecting yeah. thing. Uh, yeah, so this was like, they filmed it in 2011, and um, it's a woman accusing them of uh, harassing her. Of, um, I guess, harassing her, and I guess T.J. Miller punched her in the face. <laughs> uh, which... It shouldn't be funny, I didn't know that part. No, it's not funny. It's it's I ridiculous. Because, I laughed because I didn't see that coming. Not that because it was it's funny. fucking ridiculous. And Jordan Vote Roberts is accused of um, leaning in to kiss her, and when she said no, he said, "Don't make this weird," and forced himself on her to kiss her. Um, and I don't want to compare this to anything. Um, it shouldn't be like, oh, it was just a kiss. You know, Harvey Weinstein. It shouldn't be compared. It was something where someone said no. And it was non-consensual. And I think that this should open up a bigger conversation of we should not allow this kind of um, uh, like domination where it's like, well, oh, he's the director or he's like becoming this big person. So 
um, it should be cut short. I mean, you know, Harvey Weinstein, he got so much fame and so much money and so many things and hurt so many people along the way. And now in 2017, things are coming out. Um, this is what we're doing at we're, you know, it, it's a revolution. It's not just a moment. It's a whole revolution of the time is fucking up and, uh, you know, we're not going to allow this to continue. Uh, the Producers Guild Association announced at the Golden Globes, I believe, or the Critics' Choice Awards, one of those that they're they're changing their guidelines where sexual harassment is not tolerated under any circumstance. Good. Um, you know, and let's say there was some sort of, uh, there wasn't, but let's say there was some sort of sexual uh, harassment on Kong School Island. Um, and this new, you know, this new thing is put in place. Hopefully they would fire Jordan Roberts or have him step down. And my, my hope is that he steps down if they didn't make a second movie. My hope is that there's he's not a even, He's not in charge. He's not in charge. It's, um... That, that's my thing, that it's a separate movie. You have this time. You have... You, you like, the producers have the authority to hire who they want. And I, I don't think that it should be him. <laughs> so, you know, like, movies take a really long time to make. And this this movie especially, I think they were working on from, like, 2015 to 2017. Yeah, and, and this and didn't he said come this, out until, I think, last month about this. Yeah, and he, you know, the a similar, not the sexual harassment thing, but a similar situation happened with Joss Whedon where Avengers consumed so much of his life that he was just like, I've had enough of this like for now like I need a break and so they offered him Jordan Roberts the King Kong vs. Godzilla and he I think said no and just accepted like a producer role because he is in charge of Kong he should oversee that stuff so it stays the same but the point of the matter is no he's not directing so they have somebody else doing it okay that's good that's probably how it should be um but like you can't get away with this. I, no. People, people have said, and about the Aziz Ansari thing, um, you know, a lot of people are just like, it's just a kiss, or it's just, you know, a slap on the ass, and it's like, no, it's not. It's violating your privacy. It's violating you when it's non-consensual, and we shouldn't be comparing it, you know, apples to oranges. It's sexual harassment. It's sexual assault. Um, in my mind, they're the same thing, and... Kings of Summer was one of my favorite movies, and it's still up there, but it is somewhat ruined for me, um, and that's fine. Uh, the Cosby Show is ruined for me, and that's fine, um, because I can't look at these people the same because of how I see them, like, because of how I see them for real. Um, I think it's a little bit. I think it's a little bit harder with an actor. So let's let's use Kevin Spacey for example. So if you go and watch American Beauty, like you would never be able to watch it the same way again because of everything that he's done. Yeah, and, but and it's I, like I think with a director, it's a bit easier because you don't have to see him. You know, like it's mm -hmm. it doesn't make it any better, but I think it's a bit easier. Like I still find this is one of my favorite movies of last year, and you still really like Kings of Summer. Yeah, I mean. If you the, if you enjoy something, is, you you still have the right to enjoy it. It's bigger than things. us. Like yeah. the thing, what I think about is a lot of people are like, "Oh, House of Cards shouldn't end," and I'm like, 
you know that it's not ending though a life was ruined because of this actor and when i watched the cosby show i'm like lives were ruined careers were ruined because of this person i i don't really want to watch something that they were in i I, that's i have the choice to i don't want to feed into it and other people are different um and that's totally fine but personally um i have not watched the cosby show since everything came out it was one of my favorites as a kid and uh i just think that this all no matter what the situation is it opens up a bigger conversation that hollywood everyone wherever you are has it has needed to happen for decades and decades and i'm you know proud that it's finally happening and i i get to be old enough to be like yeah like you know tell my kids that's when it used to be like this that's how it used to be you know and and this is how it is now you know 10 years down the road from now you know we're gonna excel even further you know and And, and there's still there's still problems that need to be fixed and there's oh yeah I mean, there's, you know, broken. discrimination problems and the sexual oh my gosh, problems. Yes. And, you, you know, I was, I was just thinking about this uh, not too long ago um, with Harvey, the whole Harvey Weinstein thing. Um, and back, back to my point that I, I said a few minutes ago was it's a bit harder uh, to watch something with an actor or something with Bill Cosby who's mm-hmm. done something wrong rather than uh, somebody who's behind the camera. And... Harvey Weinstein, you know, used to be in charge of Miramax. He used to be in charge of the Weinstein Company and put out m- yeah. movies after movies after movies. So, like, you I could, mean, movies that I didn't even know he was attached to. I mean, you could he, watch, he you could watch in, something, and then when his name comes up, you'd be like, Ugh. but I mean, that yeah. that still shouldn't take away uh, through somebody else's art. Yeah, I mean, he. You know when when everything first came out, and I thought. People were talking about Harvey Firestein. And <laughs> oh, I was no. confused and really, really disappointed. I'm still really fucking disappointed, but I'm like, yeah, that fucker's fucked up. I like, but I'm just like, ooh, Harvey Firestein, we're good. We're good. Um, but I, I'm, I just can't believe, and maybe it's me being naive. It's definitely me being naive. I can't believe people got away with it for so fucking long. No, it's it's not you being naive. Um, it's it's people it's people being afraid to admit that they are oh, going yeah, through yeah. something and, and I'm people sure not when they wanting did. to do anything about it. And I'm sure when they did, they were shot down because it's Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> you know, like it's top of the company. And you know, it, and I hate when people are like, "Oh, well, why didn't they come out ten years ago and say this?" I'm like, because they were scared. If Everything that you had worked for, um, that you were told you were never going to amount to anything if you told, would you do it? I would be terrified. I would be scared shitless. I would be embarrassed. I would be horrified. It comes with a ton of emotions, and I don't think that we should, you know, we should put ourselves in their shoes, but not to the point where we think everyone would think like us. Um so this this whole so, thing yeah. this whole thing with the the Weinstein scandals and everything uh, started to surface when I was at my former job, and I'm not going to say what that is, but it was movie related, and so when all that things started happening, you worked in porn. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. So when all when all that <laughs> stuff started happening, there was a lot of 
discussion about it. And all that stuff made me realize that when I was younger, the first type of movie company that I ever discovered, because it was the front line of a lot of things that I watched, being like cartoon movies and animation stuff, was Miramax. And so Miramax was the first type of studio that I was ever like exposed to like holy shit like this is a movie studio like this is like what makes movies so as a kid I always grew up thinking like hey like I want to work at Miramax one day and stuff and uh let me ask let me ask you a question um what is the movie that I had to that I've tried to make you watch that I said is the basis to why I wanted to be a screenwriter is it animated? No. Um, you didn't watch it. You fell asleep. Oh. Oh. Uh. Not Guardians. No. Because I watched that. That's, that's what did I fall asleep for? Um. Will you give me a hint? Kevin Smith. Oh, the um, Chasing Amy. Yep. So. Okay. So Chasing Amy, uh, Clerks. Mallrats, uh, Jersey Girl. Uh, I've seen that one. The beginning of Kevin Smith's career was produced by Miramax and the Weinstein Company. Yeah, and I know you said that. So all the that. all of those movies that like I wanted to, that made me want to become a filmmaker was behind the hands of this tyrant, and so like it it got me thinking about like how wrong I was when, when I was a kid. Like, how, like, I wanted to be a part of this organization that was led by mm-hmm. this this guy. And, like, it, it sort of, like, shut me down from any sort of movie-oriented goals because that's that's sort of what I grew up knowing was, like, wanting... Knowing. Knowing was before I... <laughs> before so. I knew what, like, obviously what Sony and Warner Brothers and stuff was, like, Miramax was the thing. Miramax produced the first first few Pokemon movies. Miramax did... I don't... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they did Brave Little Toaster. Like, they, Miramax was... Uh, like, the kid-centric organization to the Weinstein Company. And... Can I just say a really, really random fact about Brave Little Toaster that you may know? What? You know what happens to me when ev- anyone ever mentions Brave Little Toaster? You know this. I told you this because you're like, that's fucking this. weird. My sister and I both feel it. Both of our lips start hurting. Like our bottom, <laughs> my bottom lip starts hurting whenever anybody mentions Brave Little Toaster or I see it like as a meme or I see it on the internet or something. Are both of our, like separately. We don't know why. Anyways, I don't know. Like the, that's the most fucking random thing <laughs> the, ever. The point, of my, the point of my story is like I, that that's something that like I grew up wanting to be a part of and seeing that all like all of it all that stuff happened like that was a big part of my life like i wanted to be a part of weinstein company be a part of miramax and stuff like like i don't know what direction i want to hit it you know yeah and i'm glad that it came out you know i'm glad it wasn't just like oh when he died this is what comes out like i know people who worked at the weinstein company like it was Definitely brushed under the rug under a few people. There's no way that could that it could have stayed completely hidden for years. It stayed under the rug for, like, people pushed it under the rug. And also, to 
sort of fucking add on to this, the horrible stories about Uma Thurman that just recently came out, too. Yeah. I haven't read into any of them, uh, but that's really, really sad. Oh, well, I saw that Quentin Har- Tarantino Harvey responded, Wein- but I don't know Harvey Weinstein stuff, and uh, she said that during the filming of Kill Bill... Uh, I, don't, um, I don't know if we want to... During the filming of Kill I, Bill, I there know. there were particular scenes okay, where Quentin got aggressive on, on scenes, and uh, I think choked her out with chains on one scene, and uh, she was involved in an actual car crash stunt and during Kill Bill, and said that all this stuff that happened on Kill Bill, like, is still affecting her body, like, to this day. That she was actually physically abused on that set. But... But what? By... By Tarantino. That, you know how I feel about Tarantino. I know, but... He has always, he's always given me this, just like James Franco, he's given me a weird vibe. And it's it's like he's he has so much person. power, but he's not using it in the right way. It seems like he's using it to just get what he wants. And I, I didn't read into any of that yet. I did. So the when when I grew up, I'm like looking. when I grew up, this definitely went off the beaten path. And I'm really glad that we're talking about. When it. I grew up, knowing about the Weinstein Company and Miramax and stuff, like the three big people from that company were. Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, and Kevin Smith. And, you know, thankfully, Kevin Smith hasn't done anything. <laughs> he's uh, actually given back to... he's Kevin Smith giving all of his proceeds for every movie that was, uh, you know, um, residual checks that come in from the Weinstein Company and stuff. He's giving those stuff to battered women shelters and stuff. And is also, I think he it's... said... I also think he said he's giving 2K... Uh, a month to battered women shelters to help out with that that's stuff. that's really good and it, it's like in this moment like it really shows who you know like he he presumably didn't know and you know like yeah and it wasn't so I, much quentin I, like i, I love didn't... everyone that's de- donating to times up because that also goes to in a lot of people in the workforce and i love people that are donating to battered women shelters around the united states the ones that don't get on the news the ones that are you know i have this my heart's is almost as big as my ass i feel like uh <laughs> and sometimes it gets me in trouble but i also have this really big feeling to give back i don't have enough money at this time to do that but it's one of my passions that i can't wait to do when i do get money um my family over like a course of a lot of years we would adopt a family at christmas and buy them christmas gifts and donate some stuff in my office i've donated to um, i donated to time's up and um it is something where i want to give back a lot and i want to help you know those that need the extra little push um when i yeah. presumably get a lot of more money in the future <laughs> i just want to like go on gofundme and just read people's stories and donate to them just strangers just just to uh, and i know i don't want to sound self-righteous at all i don't that's not what i'm trying to do i'm just saying like i have this like feeling inside of me that i can't i i can't c- complete yet and so i get really passionate when i'm talking about kind of this stuff um 
And also, this title of this article for Vanity Fair, Quentin Tarantino opens up about Uma Thurman accident, one of the biggest regrets of my life. No, you need to, you need the to read it from The director also explained why he spit on the actress and choked her for scenes in Kill Bill. You need to read it from her perspective, not from his perspective. I know, I know. But, um, but you know, I, I know that from an emotional standpoint that this really affects you from hearing all the women and the select few male yeah. experiences but anyone you know this it affects me too but it affects me more so because movies is like everything to me and and that's not how you feel about movies you're more on the tv line but it, but the same thing for tv actors or directors or whatever and like it, I, it wasn't you know i i was never never really influenced in any sort of way by Quentin Tarantino. And I, I own two things of his, probably, because he's in From Dust Till Dawn, and I love that movie. And the only reason I own Django Unchained is because DiCaprio is amazing in that movie. And it's it I, had nothing to do like with... I just the way he's gone about things is so, like... You know, we're like, what happened with DiCaprio on that? Like, is, he actually broke something, or he actually hurt himself? DiCaprio? Oh, I don't remember that. Something in Django. Um, I, I I know he... Or somebody in that. Like, really regretted but that character, but also, it almost won him an Oscar. Also, um, I when I was looking up Quentin Tarantino, apparently Fergie um, said that Quentin Tarantino bit her one time on a set. I don't know what set, but... The dude's always been sort of wacky and over uh, the top. No, it's, and, it's, it's no longer wacky or over the top. It's... it's borderline out of, out of control borderline abusive i mean uh, he's always giving me weird vibes and i will stand by that and you know th- th- he has a huge following and you can be a fan of him i'm never gonna say don't unless you know sh- more shit and more shit and more shit comes out um no that's not true i Look, am gonna we, say don't we, I, I don't like him and we, he gives we, me weird vibes. we should never ever tell people not to be a fan of people because they they're entitled to their own opinions. So if sure, you want, if yeah. you want to like Tarantino stuff, if you want to like Bill Cosby stuff, if you want to like Kevin Spacey stuff, that is your prerogative. Like yeah, Baby Driver is fucking amazing. Kevin Spacey's in that movie. That's your like, prerogative. But I am gonna. I, oh, you can't see the eyes I'm giving in this. <laughs> but however, just just be aware mm, of the things that they've done. Yeah, don't be don't don't be so naive to put it in the back of your mind. Have it in the forefront and maybe have an explanation of, like, this is my favorite movie or this this is my favorite show. I want to see Bill Cosby, you know, as the character. Um, you know, art art is always going to be art. But when things behind it become corrupt, I don't know. then this, it becomes it. This problem. thing I'm just kind of, like, washing my hands with where I'm just like, I, I don't even know what at this people's po- explanation yeah, would be. At, at this point, point it's um, it, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't feel like at this point it's who's next. Let's, you know... Sprinkle this into some conversations in the future. Um, oh, we're we're going to because the next episode that we are going to put out is going to be our Oscar special. So is it? I thought we were doing the. Well, we're doing every two weeks now. So oh, true. So yeah. we're ta- we're taking the week off, and oh, the, yeah. the the following week is going to be uh, the week of the Oscars. So we're gonna true lay down our predictions. Talk about um, you know some. More... I don't know if we even talked about it, but I won the Golden Globes nominations 
I don't even know if we said that on the podcast, but no surprise, I won. I wasn't going to say that until the Oscars special. <laughs> I won. But okay. Well, if people listen to this far into the podcast, they're true fans and they want to know. <laughs> uh, but anyways, yeah, so thank we'll, you. We'll talk about more of that stuff. We're going to run down our nominations and yeah. stuff that we like. Pretty much the same thing that we did. But thank you guys so much for listening. I'm glad we got to have this end conversation. Um, and we got to watch Aquamarine finally in Kong School Island. Um the next episode that we're about to put out is going to be a cute little mini episode about dating and Valentine's Day. So enjoy. It'll drop on Valentine's Day. Um, this will drop probably two days before. This, this so. will drop on Monday. Yeah, so two days so, before. Yeah. Um, but so, thank you guys yeah. so much for listening. Don't forget to uh, like and subscribe. Um, well, like on our Instagram and subscribe on podcast and download it <laughs> download it i know a oh, lot of people don't so have closing out. <laughs> uh, i know a lot of you don't have space on your phones if you're like me but you can download and then you can just like delete it off your delete phone. the download and play but it we with get data. we yeah. get like what do we get from downloads nothing what matters more, we just like to see it we just <laughs> we like, like to see, see the numbers but what matters more is the subscriptions so. yeah just subscribe to it i mean it, it could pop up as a notification on your phone um, but you know, and you can always follow us on Instagram under uh, J- JG Podcast JG Network. Podcast Network, and then our email is the same exact thing, but with an S at the end. Podcast Net Podcasts. Network. Yeah, and if if you JG have Podcasts. an idea, also if you have an idea for a podcast, um, and you don't really know how to set it up or whatever, um, you know, shoot us an email or a DM on Instagram. He has a lot on his network, um, a wrestling one. This one, um, my interview show too. Yeah, yeah, and then he has his own personal one. So yeah, I mean, putting it all on a network, we know how to do it, and he'd love to do that for you. So hit yeah. us up. We're always open to new shows and new new suggestions and stuff. Uh, the email, I fuck it up every single podcast I'm on, except up, for the past two Billy to Billy episodes. It's jgpodcasts at gmail.com. No network is jgpodcasts. So if you want to submit a show or have an idea, like I. We'll gladly take it into consideration. We'd love to have you on the network. Um, But anyways, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back with a Valentine's Day episode. And enjoy your weekend or day or whatever it is. Bye-bye.